Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. And on this podcast, as you can probably tell, the sound's a lot better. And that's because I took a hiatus from the podcast to improve my equipment. And my new toys came in and I've experimented with them just a little bit. So hopefully this is sounding a lot better on your guys' end. And hopefully the the podcasts coming up are going to be sounding even better as we move forward. So, for this podcast, I brought in the host of Next Man Up and a current college student, and I'm going to have him talk a little bit about himself here in just a moment. His name is MJ Hurley, not Michael Jordan Hurley, although he'd probably like to be called that at some point. (laughs) Jumpman23. MJ Hurley, welcome to the show, MJ. Thank you for having me, Tom. Certainly. So, Next Man Up is your show. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. So, Next Man Up is the show I started after the XFL uh, fell apart. I originally had an XFL podcast, and obviously we know what happened there, so I won't Mm -hmm. beat that dead horse too much. But the Next Man Up podcast is all sports. I mainly focus on the big three, basketball, football, baseball. Um, So, I have about three guests on each episode, Monday and Friday, every week, and just talking about whatever sports topics are relevant right now, doing a lot of hypotheticals since we don't have live sports. But yeah, that was something that came about because the XFL failed, and I kind of had to sit down and figure out what I was going to do next. I knew I wanted to keep doing a podcast because I enjoyed Mm -hmm. uh, my time covering the XFL and all of that so much. And so I, as you did with your new toys, took a break myself, kind of figured out what I wanted to do. And then in the last couple of weeks after the NFL draft, we've hit the ground running. Yes. Good, good deal. At least here we've been a, I've been a sports centric podcast pretty much all the way. And of course people know that, the story of the story of me getting the job at WLEW with this, and so far things have been going pretty well. Um, of course, good. I've had some good days. I've had some bad days, but we still we're still here and eating up experience time with this COVID nineteen pandemic, which has shut down everything, especially the XFL, and. Here we are talking about the NFL schedule with the NFL draft, etc. So, I talked about this pre-show, and we'll talk about this a little bit now. Um, the Big Ten Network, and invite well, it invite not just you personally, but invited a class of yours, and the, the, your profile picture is of that. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my I go to Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. Um, obviously not there right now because of the pandemic. I actually just finished my last assignment today, end of sophomore year, so I'm very excited about that. I get a little bit of freedom for the summer. Uh, but last summer, during summer class, we Bradley University has a lot of connections in Chicago in the sports world. We were able to go to the Big Ten Network, and because we all looked like kids in a candy store when we walked into the newsroom, they decided to let us 
roam free in there a little bit. And we got to take a lot of pictures, take videos. They mic'd us up. We got to mess around a little bit in there. So that was a lot of fun. That's where my profile picture comes from. No to disappoint everybody. I do not actually work at the Big, Big Ten Network and go to college full-time at the same time. That would be awful. I'm already as tired as it is. Hopefully someday I could work at the Big Ten Network. That would be fantastic. But right now, it's just a profile picture that uh, originated from a fantastic class downtown. Gotcha. And yeah, if I, I, I already feel like I'm working 24-7 as is, six days a week with a night shift. I wouldn't. I couldn't imagine what load you would have to be taking to work at Big Ten Network and attend college classes. So this, it's life is a marathon, not a sprint. And hopefully, you'll have the gig at Big Ten Network at some point, or maybe even farther. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> so moving to the NFL, since we wanted to talk a little NFL here. Oh, and first of all, of course, yesterday I turned. 25 years of age so thanks to everybody yeah thanks a lot i i've trained the turn of a quarter of a century so thanks a lot to a lot of people out there for wishing me uh well wishes happy birthday including uh jamie hirsch from the nhl network uh hannah wing the the in arena host for the texas rangers and i've had quite a few others wish me a happy birthday as well of course mj as well saying here so NFL talk. The schedule has been released. Let's let's have a little initial thoughts about it. Um, any eye-popping games that you see from this 256-game slate, if you've taken a look at it yet? Yeah, so the first game that pops out at me is week one. We have our first rendition of Tom Brady and Drew Brees. I, you, I don't even know how to express how excited I am that Tom Brady not only is now in the NFC, so we get at least a couple of years of Tom Brady um, showdowns with the NFC quarterbacks that we normally didn't see him face more than once every four years. So that's mm-hmm. going to be very exciting. That's week one. And then to move forward in the schedule a lot um, to week 15, um, I'm interested in the second matchup of Dolphins-Patriots. I think the first matchup, in week one, will go to the Patriots. I think Bill Belichick will have his team a lot more prepared than um, Tua and the Dolphins will be. But I think by week 15, we could see a big beatdown um, for Miami over the Patriots. I think by then, Tua, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, is going to be very well established in that Miami system. I think that will um, be a big beatdown for the Dolphins. And then kind of the last highlight game I have that for my own Green Bay Packers is not going to go very well, in my opinion, is the 49ers game. We're going to San Francisco again. It seems we're not allowed to play San Francisco in Green Bay. I don't know what that's about. Um, It's on (laughs) short rest, I believe, and it's going to be in a very rough stretch for the Packers. Um, We have a lot of tough games, and that stretch is capped off by the 49ers. So I don't imagine that will go very well for Green Bay. But yeah, those are kind of my highlight games initially. Initially, And then we have some fun games like Patri- uh, Patriots-Ravens, Patriots-Chiefs. Um, the, those teams are going to get a little bit of some revenge from the last couple of years when they've been beaten down by Brady and Belichick. Gotcha. Yes, I'm excited to see two renditions of Brady and Breeze. In fact, last year I my Super Bowl prediction was Brady versus Breeze and Breeze taking down Brady. But now we get two renditions of Brady-Breeze with... Brady being in Tampa Bay. Uh, a, a scheduling quirk, 
I've noticed is that Dolphins Jets, I believe it's weeks 10 and 12, or 11 and 13, the Dolphins and Jets are going to be playing each other twice in three weeks, back-to-back, -back, if that makes sense. The Dolphins and Jets both will have bye weeks in week 11, I believe it is, or week 12, uh, going back to my notes here. And they're going to be playing each other again after that. So uh, that's, that's that's very odd. Very odd, and I'm not sure if the schedule makers realize that. But that's one thing that we see here. Uh, of course, Detroit. I'm a Lions fan, so maybe I maybe you've joined the wrong podcast. But <laughs> that's all right. I, I I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> but but I've had Alex Stroh from 90 FM Sports Wisconsin on here, so I've I've had to deal with Packer people in the past. Um, but, um, Lions-Bucks, that's right, week 16, Lions-Bucks, we're excited to see Brady come to Detroit again, and the last time, of course, Brady came to Detroit, he lost, and it felt like the world was ending, or some, or some crazy like that, or Y2K was happening, or something like that, where the Lions beat the Patriots, but week 16, we have Lions-Bucks, and, of course, your divisional matchups, two Packers, two Bears, two Vikings. Lions-Vikings to end the year in Detroit, which has not happened in a long time. We've had Lions-Vikings in the past to end the season, but, of course, it's always, it seems to always have been in Minnesota. Thanksgiving, Lions-Texans, and the last two times the Texans have visited Detroit, including this one, were Thanksgiving matchups. If we remember the last time the Texans made the trip to Detroit, was the Arian Foster Jim Schwartz challenge that wasn't to be because he had scored on a play. I'm sure you're probably remembering this too from years back. But if we remember the play, Arian Foster we thought had his knee down, and he did, but the refs didn't catch it. Foster ran all the way to the end zone and scored. Schwartz challenged, but because you can't challenge a scoring play, the score held. The score stood, and... Yeah, that, <laughs> that, oh, bad memories, bad memories. But Lions-Texans there, Patriots-Jets, of course, those two matchups, and the matchups that you had talked about getting revenge on the Patriots now that Brady is gone. So a lot of different scheduling quirks here. Uh, and then, of course, the next question is, will this season happen? As we have with City of Los Angeles extending their stay-home orders until August, are we even going to have a season? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I would say this, Tom. I am not one to bet against the NFL. Now, I will be one of the first people to criticize Roger Goodell for some of the ways um, he's handled policy in the NFL, some of the ways that collective bargaining has been handled between Rogers Goodell and the Players Association. However, they seem to be very on top of this pandemic business now what i mean by that is they did a fantastic job with the nfl draft that was one of the best productions i've seen in my lifetime of the nfl draft and we ended it with roger goodell sitting in his cashmere sweater in his den chair announcing picks in the third round which was just fantastic so <laughs> to me i am not going to doubt the nfl until i'm told otherwise um i yes los angeles shutting down for an extended period of time is going to put a hamper on the teams that have their camps in L.A., um, but we're already starting virtual OTAs right now for every team. Uh, those started about a week ago, and I really don't think 
that the NFL is going to allow themselves, and this may sound selfish on the part of the NFL, but I really do think that we need football. We need um, every Sunday for an extended period of time, we know that we can sit down on a Sunday afternoon and before a rough work week, we can sit down and watch some football games. And I think America needs that. And so in my opinion, whether or not it happens with fans, whatever we need to do to get football um, in the houses of America and all of our TVs, I really do think that needs to happen. I don't know the specifics. Um, Obviously, I don't think fans are going to be in stadiums in 2020. I would be shocked if that happens. And I think the same thing will apply to college football. But in terms of the NFL being able to play their season might be pushed back a couple weeks so that they can kind of figure out training camps and get a more established plan. But the NFL has the luxury that Major League Baseball and the NBA don't have in that their season, they were in the midst of their offseason when all of this happened. So they've been able to plan for September since March whereas the NBA was just thrown into madness. Major League Baseball was thrown into madness, and they had to act instantly. Adam Silver did a great job of that. Major League Baseball kind of just reacted to what the NBA did. But I think Roger Goodell is has time to craft a plan that will allow football to come back in September. I have no idea in what fashion, but personally I would be shocked if week one um, – when the season is supposed to start on September 13th, if we don't have football on that day, I will be surprised. Gotcha. Yes. And, and the NFL has had that luxury of being in the off season. Uh, but while MLB, NBA and NHL have had to pretty much throw their schedules out the window. And who knows if we're going to see the finish of the NHL or the NBA season. And we'll see what happens with this plan with the MLB with an 82 game season. Well, well, I guess before I continue to answer the NFL question, why don't we get your thoughts on that? It's one of those one of those points within a point. MLB 82-game season, is that going to happen? Yes, I do believe so. There are a lot of issues that have to be ironed out right now. Uh, I'm not super pleased with the way those negotiations have been going. Um, obviously, the owners' jobs are to make money. That's why they're owners. They're very good at making money. Um, they've been doing that for a very long time each of them individually, respectively. But I do think that in this time, like I said, that America needs football. I think mm-hmm. one of the things I've, I've talked about this a lot on my own personal platforms is throughout history, whether it be a war or a terrorist attack or anything like that, sports is always the first thing that comes back to our country. And the first thing that kind of kind of brings us together and tells us it's going to be okay Um, even if we're not very hopeful and optimistic at that time. We saw after 9-11, Mike Piazza uh, in the game in New York with the Mets. That was critical, and President Bush throwing out the first pitch and basically signaling to America he was all right with being in public. It's going to be okay. We saw during World War I and World War II, that's when baseball became America's pastime because people hated what was going on in the world. Their loved ones were risking their lives for our country, and so to get a three-hour distraction, they went and watched Babe Ruth hit bombs all over the field. So I think Major League Baseball needs to recognize that, and I may be a 20-year-old college student sitting in my bedroom talking about this, and I have no money invested in Major League Baseball whatsoever. But the owners are not going to make money no matter how this season ends up. That's just a fact. They're not going to make money. And so I think owners and players alike just need to recognize that 
that the players aren't going to get as paid as much as they thought they were going to coming into the season. Owners aren't going to make any money at all, most likely, because when play does resume, we won't have fans. So I think they both just need both sides, players and ownership, need to recognize that and just figure out a way we can play baseball. Obviously, it needs to be safe, follow CDC guidelines, all of that. But I really do believe that money needs to be taken out of this equation because money is not going to be made until at least 2021 in sports, and that's just the way it's going to be. Gotcha. And yes, I, as far as this year goes in sports, we need to have everything safe, and it's it's very apparent that we need to have a return without fans before we can have a return with fans because if we just open everything up and not think about it, we're going to have a second wave of infections like the Spanish flu in 1919. And if that happens, that would be devastating for not only this country, but the entire world. So we need to do this in a smart way. As far as MLB goes, I could see it happening, but we'll see what the Owners and Players Association are going to say about this plan. It's 82 games, mainly divisional play. Interleague would be against common divisions like NL Central plays AL Central, East plays East, West plays West. So we'll see if that happens. I think it's going to be close, and it'll probably be like a 51-49 type deal, whether it passes or whether it fails. If I were to be forced to pick, I would say pass, because at some point we need to have a season, because we need, as, as you had said, we need sports to come back so that we can at least have something to watch on TV sort of mindlessly. And if we can't have that, then, oh, they be, the, the world's going to go nuts. So another thing we need to watch is uh, Korea and China, seeing how they're returning to sports. China still hasn't returned to sports yet, but Korean baseball is returning without fans and in some aspect with fans and social distancing. So we'll, we'll just have to see. And as far as NFL goes, I'll go ahead and answer the NFL question. Like you had said, don't doubt the NFL. But with that being said, I don't see how this season begins on time. And it's because of the stay-home orders and training camps and OTAs. If you delay OTAs, then you're going to have to delay the preseason, which in turn would delay the regular season. Now, with preseason... You could cut it to two games, and I I honestly think they should do that anyway, because four preseason games at by the time you hit preseason game number four, it's like okay, let's get out of here without getting hurt and move on to the regular season. And if that's the case for preseason game number four, then why don't just scrap it and scrap preseason game number three as well, make it a two-game preseason. So if it were to be delayed, I'll officially go on the record and say. I think it's going to be a two-game preseason, if if there is a delay. And the season will start perhaps early to mid-October, if there is to be a delay. Uh, their, their delay schedule would be mid-October start with an end-of-February Super Bowl. So we'll see how this goes, but obviously we're going to have to have a start without fans so that we can have the game. And as, as we've seen in the Korean Baseball League, if, if one player, just one player, gets the virus, automatic three-week shutdown. So that's going to have to be another thing that the NFL, MLB, and any sports take into effect. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree that we the, the shutdown 
I think most leagues should follow what the KBO is doing right now. I believe the KBO, they're two times a game. Every single player has to be checked by the medical staff to make sure that they're not running a fever. I don't love that system because I've played a lot of sports, and I def- there were definitely points that I would be hot enough and tired enough that I probably would be acting like I had a virus. So I don't know how they're accounting for all of that, but I, would, I definitely agree that the major sports leagues in America need to follow what the Korean baseball organization have been doing because they were very careful about it. Um, they had their spring training 2.0, even the umpires and the, uh, the base coaches and the managers, people who don't have to run are all wearing masks all of the time. Um, so I think they've done a very good job of that. I've enjoyed watching the KBO staying up way too late doing that for my own good. But yeah, I think that we need to follow that model. Um, I don't think that the NFL will run a system where if somebody, if one person gets the virus, then they're going to shut down for three weeks. I just don't see that happening. I think if the NFL starts, they're going to start. Um, that team might just have to have, there might just be a lot of procedures and everything um, for if that does happen. But I doubt that the NFL um, would implement a three-week shutdown, even if somebody were to contract the virus. Gotcha. Good point. So uh, we'll move quickly to the draft, because I haven't even talked about the draft on this show because of the well, because of the hiatus that I've taken. We talked pre-draft, we'll talk a little post-draft. Tell us a little bit about your Packers draft. As Alex Strofe had said on the other show, they want, uh, he thought they were going to get Jordan, you guys are going to get Jordan Love, and you guys did end up getting Jordan Love. Your reaction to that in the first round? Well, it, it would have been very entertaining for you to see my initial reaction. Um, I was <laughs> kind of live-streaming the draft obviously i couldn't show it on the screen so i had it off screen just with the audio kind of just reacting predicting before every pick just having fun and when i saw that the packers traded up to 26 with the dolphins my initial thought was oh crap we're taking jordan love i had seen there were a couple people that had predicted the packers were going to take jordan love i thought they were crazy i thought they were insane and i didn't really do my homework on him before the draft because i'm thinking we have three more years of aaron Rodgers. We need a wide receiver. I was thinking the same way pretty much everybody else was. My afterthoughts are, you know, everybody's worried about this is going to be Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre 2.0, right? And I think what people need to recognize is there is an inherent difference in the personality of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Brett Favre doesn't care what people think. I mean, just putting it honestly, Brett Favre could not care less the opinions of other people, and that was very evident in the way he handled Aaron Rodgers. And it was very evident that Aaron Rodgers does care about what people think because of how he reacted to Brett Favre's demeanor around him for the three years that they were in Green Bay together. So in my opinion, this situation will be much more, if there is going to be turmoil, it will be in-house and we won't know about it until Jordan Love retires in 20 years. So I think Aaron Rodgers, he already has said all of the right things. He called Jordan Love the night of the draft, congratulated him, welcomed him to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have already talked. Um, from what I have heard from a couple of people, it was a good conversation. Obviously, it feels bad when your assumed replacement is taken and your clock is ticking. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers will play more than three years in Green Bay for sure. I doubt he'll stay more than two. Um But one other thing I want to comment on with that is Jordan Love is extremely talented, 
but he's just as raw as Aaron Rodgers was when Aaron Rodgers came out of Cal. I mean, there were people questioning why the Packers took Aaron Rodgers over other quarterbacks in the draft. There's a reason Mike McCarthy, who was then in San Francisco, took Alex Smith, because Aaron Rodgers was not a number one overall pick. He has carried that chip on his shoulder for the last uh, 15, 16 years, but he was not a number one overall pick. It was just flat out. There's a reason he fell to the Packers at 25 in 2005. So I think Jordan Love, there's there's also a reason he fell to the Packers at 26. So I think it'll do Jordan Love a lot of good um, to sit under Aaron Rodgers for two or three years, however long Rodgers wants to stay in Green Bay. I think we will keep him throughout the entirety of that contract if he wishes to stay. And then after three years, it'll be the Jordan Love era. And I really do believe um, that he's going to be able to take over the reins and the Packers are going to extend their reign of terror using fantastic quarterbacks on the NFC North to probably like 40 years at that point because it started with Brett Favre in 1992 and I think by the time Jordan Love is done, let's say it's uh, 2032. Wow, that, that sounds weird to say. But let's say it's 2032. Um, I really do think Jordan Love can last that long and at least be the best quarterback in the division. So I was upset at first but now that I've kind of rationaled through it, I mean, Aaron Rodgers cares about his image. We've seen that from his his relationship with his family. He got really upset at his brother, um, Jordan Rodgers, who was on The Bachelor and now works for the SEC Network. He got really upset at his brother when his brother said something publicly about their relationship and the family relationship because Aaron Rodgers cares about his endorsement deals with State Farm. I mean, he works, he's, he works for State Farm. Discount double check. Yes, exactly. He cares about his discount double check that's coming in every month from State Farm. Rogers! Discount double check! Exactly. (laughs) So Rogers is not going to risk that. If anything, the trouble will come because Rogers doesn't say anything mean to Jordan Love. I think something could build up there. But in all honesty, I really don't think it's going to be a problem. I think people want the story. Um but Aaron Rodgers wants to win, and he's not going to sacrifice winning. He's going to going to sacrifice his image because he's butthurt over the Packers drafting his replacement. Good points, and yes, Brett Favre, Brett Favre don't give a crap, and no, he does not. We'll see if that's the case with Rodgers in twenty years' time. But yes, he's got he's got he he'll have that chip on his shoulder, and who knows what the next three years will bring for Green Bay, but. We, as we think that Green Bay has drafted Aaron Rodgers' as replacement, but we shall see if Love even wants to stay because we don't see quarterbacks now stay, sitting three years like we did back in the mid-2000s. We don't see quarterbacks sitting anymore. Quarterbacks just come in and play. Can I comment on that real quick, Tom? You sure can. So I saw, I don't remember where I saw this report, but I saw that the other day, somebody explaining in depth how Aaron Rodgers will not stay in Green Bay very long, or Jordan Love won't stay in Green Bay very long exactly for that reason. And my response to that is, yes, normally that is true. Quarterbacks drafted in the first round don't sit. However, teams don't normally draft a quarterback in the first round when they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL under contract for three years. The Packers just aren't normal. Our organization does not do things the way the rest of the NFL does, and for the most part, that's worked. Yes, we haven't won as many Super Bowl championships as we all would have liked with Aaron Rodgers being probably the most talented quarterback the NFL has seen in decades. We haven't won as many Super Bowls as we would have liked with him, but we've had a lot more success than everybody else in the NFC North. So I would just 
say along those lines that I would not be surprised at all if Jordan Love sits for two and it maybe three years under Aaron Rodgers because he needs it. Jordan Love needs the work, and especially right now with the pandemic going on, um, I don't think Jordan Love's first year will be anywhere near what a quarterback's first year in a system is. He's not going to learn as much as he should because of the lack of training camps that we've talked about already right now. So I think that, yes, most quarterbacks drafted in the first round don't don't sit very long. But, I mean, if you look at the Browns, yeah, they draft quarterbacks in the first round and they're thrown into the fire right away because they don't have Aaron Rodgers. And the same kind of applies across the NFL. So I would argue that because we have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, it kind of negates that idea and incentivizes Jordan Love to stay there. I mean, he said on draft night, I'm excited to learn from one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And they have very similar play styles. So I don't think Jordan Love would ask to leave. And if anything, I think that this is going to motivate Aaron Rodgers to perform to the point where the Packers want to keep him as the starter for three years. Very good, very good. So yes, and to add to that point, the Packers are owned by their fans. No other professional sports franchise in America that I know of is owned by their fans. So that just tells you another dynamic of the differences between Green Bay and the rest of the league and whore other professional sports leagues in the United States. So, moving on, I'll, I'll talk about the Lions a little bit here. Um, Okuda, we drafted Jeff Okuda, pick number three. Pretty inevitable, Joe Burrow, Chase Young going 1-2. Most everybody in the draft predicted that. A lot of questions were raised about the Lions trading down as Miami and other teams may have been desperate for Okuda or for their or for their respective man, like Miami, to a tag of Iloa. That, and that's at least how I thought. I think it's said, tag of Iloa. Um, but no formidable trade offers with Bob Quinn being presented, so they went with the best available. Good footwork, quickness, no fear to face the top NFL competition as he faced great Big Ten and national competition. Okuda's going to fit in. We, get, we got our man. We got a good man. It might not be Chase Young, but this defense needs a lot of work, as we saw from last season. DeAndre Swift, that was a bit of an that was a bit of an eye eye raiser, but Swift was good as long as he doesn't have injuries like Gurley or Chubb, we should be okay. Uh, Julian Aquara, they've got Romeo Aquara, so they had to get his brother out of Notre Dame. Um, can certainly help with a pass rush. Jonah Jackson, and I had written an article for the Scorecrow that unfortunately didn't get on because somebody else had taken taken that article so sometimes you know stuff happens when you work six days a week but Jonah Jackson another Buckeyes is it just me or Wolverines and Buckeyes flipping states because we saw Donovan Peoples Jones go from Michigan to the Cleveland Browns now we have Okuda and Jonah Jackson from Ohio State becoming Lions a good trade from Indy uh, coming from Rutgers to Ohio State Jackson has definitely had his share of difficulties because you know, Rutgers being Rutgers, unfortunately. But he's he's gone through a lot of adversity, so he'll help. Logan Stenberg, a lot of pancake blocks from Kentucky. Might not be a starter right away, but he'll fit in. Quintez Cephas, the wide receiver out of Wisconsin, had a little off-field issue, but found not guilty and made sure that Paul Chris did not regret bringing him back. And, let's see... Uh, Jason Huntley, John Penasini, Jashan Cornell. A pretty solid draft. 
But of course, as the the good old lion's nature, we'll see if this all pans out. <laughs> Any thoughts on the Lions draft? Uh, not particularly. I like okay. Jeff Okuda. Um, other than that, I'm not too familiar with the Lions draft. But in a division that is dominated by offense, I definitely think that number one quarter corner, uh, excuse me, is something that they needed and they got him, and I think that will benefit them for many years to come. Let's hope the defense plays to its potential with Paul Pascaloni no longer being the defensive coordinator in Detroit. So the question I was going to ask that, that slipped my mind, now it came back. Um, we were talking before about the KBO umpires wearing masks, even non-contact, um, non-contact people on the field wearing masks. If fans were allowed back into the stadium, but you were forced to wear a mask to attend the game, would you do it? Absolutely, and I think everybody will. Um, people are dying for sports right now. I mean, personally and professionally, I'm dying for sports. Um, I think we all miss it. And so whether it's a baseball game, a football game, a basketball game, I mean, if the NBA playoffs started up right now and I could go to a game and all I had to do was wear a mask and sit with a seat in between me and the next fan, I would do it without question. And I think a lot of people will be the same. Yeah, there's going to be people who are, whenever the quarantine is lifted across the country, I mean, I know some states are loosening up already, um, but whenever the quarantine is across is lifted across the country, there are naturally going to be people who are afraid to go out for a couple weeks still. And no, those people aren't going to show up to sporting events, but the people who really haven't quarantined themselves at all or the people who are just following quarantine because they're being told to um, and aren't really worried about themselves getting sick, uh, the younger generation who isn't really as affected by the virus, I think those people are definitely going to go out in droves to sporting events, whether it be basketball, football, baseball. Um, so I would not be worried about attendance if that if they are allowed to attend with that mask um, that mask requirement. Um, but I don't even know if that is an option right now on the table for most leagues. I remember seeing a picture that Clay Travis tweeted of Georgia Tech football in 1919 during the Spanish flu pandemic. They allowed, I saw that, yeah. Yes, they allowed fans in the stands, but everybody had to wear a mask. I have a bit of mixed emotions on it. I totally 125% understand why that hat would have to be because you don't want people getting sick. As far as me as a fan, I'm not too worried, honestly, about getting it. I'm worried about the others that may get it from me if I were to be a carrier. And so, honestly, I would probably not attend because if I want to see everything come back completely. But with that being, with that said, I totally 125% understand why if we were to come back, it would have to be masks and social distance because you have to be safe rather than sorry. Would I want to attend the game? I'm not sure. I have mixed feelings. I lean towards no. But if it if it brings if it brings the excitement and emotion back into the game, why not? So I guess personally I wouldn't. But I'm not I'm not against wearing a mask if that makes sense because at work we still have to report to a radio station and wear masks during the day. So I, it's it's not the fact that I'm afraid to wear a mask because I'm not. I've worn it. I wear it 16 hours a week. Healthcare workers have to wear it perhaps even 16 hours a day. So it's not I'm afraid to wear a mask. It's I would rather 
I'd rather just enjoy the game at my house without a mask because I'm not required to wear a mask in my own house, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes. So, uh, good good discussion there. So, good discussion about the NFL schedule, about the draft, about Jordan Love. With or without fans, the game will happen. We'll see. We're leaning towards without fans. And so, I guess I'll ask the famed final question of the show. Is there anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? I mean, the only thing I have to add yeah. is uh, for the people who do want sports, I think it's very important that we do stay inside right now. Um, I'm doing my best to stay inside. My sister is a nurse, and so I know how important that is right now. Um, whether or not you think that this virus is truly an issue, I know a lot of people think, oh, it's just the flu in a different sense and whether or not that is true i nobody really knows we don't know what's going on we haven't had a global pandemic in 100 years so nobody who's i mean very few people who are alive right now have lived through this before so if you do want sports do your part and stay inside listen to all the professionals unless you are one of the renowned medical professionals on pandemics in the world you really don't know what you're talking about um and i know people including myself don't like admitting that we are not experts on something and don't know what's going on. But if you really do want sports, stay inside. It's not going to kill you, uh, but going outside might. Exactly. And working six days a week is not easy, especially in this time and age where I still have to report to a radio station as an essential worker. But a shout-out to all those that are working in the essential businesses right now that are going out on the front lines, that are doing what they have to do. And those staying home, you're doing your part as well so what well, in fact when we when i first did this the first sports update this first the first sports updated with jess blaylock out of fox sports florida we thought that this thing was gonna be like two three weeks and we'd be back with baseball with fans by memorial day well memorial day is in two weeks and these stay-at-home orders for most states still have not lifted so it's gonna be a while <laughs> Unfortunately for sports fans and every and all pretty much all non-essential businesses, it gonna be a while. We just have to sit and wait this out, and hopefully, we'll all be here and better and not afraid to go out. Which that there there will still be people afraid until we get that vaccine. But it's gonna it's oh a crazy time. So. Thanks again, MJ, for coming on the show. He is MJ Hurley, and this has been the Tom Green Podcast.